All right. Thank you, everybody, and welcome back to the Growing Boulder Radio Show. Now, I want you to do something for me. Let me take you back two and a half years to August 30th, 2004. It was 9.13 in the morning, I believe, when 70-year-old George Brunstad jumped into the English Channel. He was at Abbott's Cliff just south of Dover, and then again at 2 in the morning. He climbed out on the northern coast of France. This guy, Mark, the oldest person in history to swim the channel. Unbelievable. An amazing story, and folks, that's only part of this story, because George is also the uncle of the world-famous movie star Matt Damon, and as you will soon discover, George has a very big heart. So let's welcome the amazing George Brunstad. Hey, George. Hey, how we doing? I'm up here in Ridgefield, Connecticut. In Connecticut. Thanks so much. We're thrilled to have you join us. We're down here in, in lovely uh, Orlando, Florida. Uh, George, you're a World Masters open water swimming champion. You've won over 100 national championships, so obviously you know how to get through the water. But swimming the channel, it, that's something special, an entirely different animal altogether. How long was your swim in miles, and, and would you do it again? Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, first of all, it was 15 hours and 59 minutes, and uh, wow. the GPS plot shows a track of 38 miles, and uh, doing a little bit of interpolating there, it was at least a 32-mile swim with tides and currents, and the direct was only 25 miles, so you're at the mercy of the currents. You know, swimming in, in a swimming pool is one thing, and many people can swim rather far, but to get in the open water where you can't really see, I mean, I get out into really deep water, and, and I can't turn my mind off. I just think something's sizing me up for a big bite. Do you worry about that kind of stuff? No, I didn't. I had uh, a lot of experience in the pool, but I did an awful lot of open water swimming, too, in the ocean and uh, internationally as well, so it really didn't bother me. You know, George, I kind of get uh, that you swam the channel because it's there and because you could do it. But I also understand you did this to help an orphanage in Haiti. What is the connection there, and how did you first become interested in the orphanage? Well, our church uh, had a missions uh, committee, which I was on, and we were helping support a Haitian church in Stamford, Connecticut. They have a rather large contingent there, and it was a dream of the pastor to build an orphanage and school down in Hinch, Haiti, which is in the Central Highlands, very remote by the Dominican uh, Republic. They had nothing down there, and so our missions committee was in on this, and so when I got the idea to swim the channel, I just tied that in. My wife was the solicitor, and uh, she did the solicitation. We raised $50,000 toward that orphanage. Boy, George, you mentioned your wife, and we've seen the pictures uh, on the Internet of you during that swim. Your wife was in the boat smiling the whole time. Was she worried at all? Did, did you stop and tread water for a while? And... She was smiling because she knew we had a good insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it was a faith-based swim. I'm not going to uh, hit that too hard, but we felt that we had uh, God's hand behind us, and that confidence was uh, there, and uh, there were a lot of prayers behind it. And there were 11 people on the boat and uh, some family members, as well as three Hall of Famers on the boat uh, to support me. Hall of Famers in what, George? Well, we have Allison Streeter, who has swum the English Channel more than any other human being, and she was my, uh, my assistant pilot. She's in the Swimming Hall of Fame. We had Marcy McDonald, who is also in the Swimming Hall of Fame, uh, the uh, Marathon Swimming Hall of Fame, and she's called the American Channel Queen. She swam more than any other person. 
And then the pilot is the most experienced, Michael Oram. He's the only uh, channel pilot that's in the Swimming Hall of Fame, and they were there to support me. And none of those people, George, had the sense to tell you that you were too old to take on something like this. <laughs> well, we thought it was impossible, but uh, it uh, really wasn't. Those two girls, by the way, uh, uh, escorted me in the last 300 meters. We had our light sticks on in the darkness under the moon, and uh, the boat couldn't go in the last 300 meters. And you can see in the video, the uh, documentary video, the three points of light uh, with the spotlight going up on the uh, shore at Sangat, south of Calais, and we hold our arms up in victory, and I'm saying praise the Lord. Wow. And, and you know, uh, George, you mentioned you don't want to hit the, the faith-based motivation too hard, but, uh, you know, feel free to hit it as hard as you want. Uh, we're, we're all about using our platform to help the people on our, on our show. Uh, and, and that said, I know that you get into a situation that really is out of your control when you do one of these lengthy swims in open water, tides, weather, all sorts of things. And you could not have asked for better situation, better circumstances in terms of all of the natural elements than you got. Yeah, we had. Uh, I I wanted to wait till my seventieth uh, birthday, of course, because people go for these cardinal things like Mach one for Chuck Yeager, and uh, when uh, Lindbergh swam and uh, flew the Atlantic, nobody cared about the number two guy or the number two guy that. And uh, hmm. the four minute mile, it was the same thing. Uh, it was Roger Bannister and the guy that broke it after that. So I knew that it was was very important and. Uh, so I kept a journal, and I had scriptures and hymns and uh, the prayers of many. Well, here's something we should talk about, George. I know that you flew B-52 bombers for the Air Force back in the 50s and 60s. You were a pilot for American Airlines, and you had to retire at the mandatory age of 60 like everybody else, and, and, and that's a huge issue now. You accomplished this incredible feat at the age of 70. So what do you think? Should pilots be forced to retire at age 60? Well, I think if they get a good physical examination and they're getting their flight checks every six months, that they could go beyond. In fact, the Europeans are doing that now. We've got people over 60 in our airspace now, but they're with foreign carriers. Now, in my case, at age 60, I had uh, seven years in the Air Force and 30 years with American Airlines. Uh, I didn't know if you were aware of it. Then I bought a MiG-17 fighter, and <laughs> I did some air shows in that until I was 66. Do you still fly? Uh, no, I stopped last year. I had a Piper Pacer also, a little tail dragger, but I finally sold that. So now I'm finally out of the business after 28,000 hours of flying. Wow. You know, we would be remiss, and I know our, our, our listeners would, would not be happy if we didn't again touch on the fact that you are Matt Damon's uncle. And you've accomplished so much in your own right that your bio absolutely needs no added punch. Is it ever hard to hear yourself always introduced without mentioning the fact, which, of course, we did, that you are Matt's uncle. Do you ever tire of having that fact connected to, to your accomplishments? I just let the things fall as they may. Uh, he is uh, he's a very fine actor, and he's a very fine lad, and I used to pack him around on my back, and I got the name of Clyde the Horse from him just because I used <laughs> to give him piggyback rides. No, no, that's fine. He's him, and I'm me. I, God bless him, and and then I just be myself and let him be him. Do you see him a lot? What's he think of uh, of Uncle George? Well, he is. Uh, I really haven't seen him now for a couple of years. He's been so busy and he's uh, been going around. When his grandfather and grandmother were incapacitated when they passed, he used to come up here quite often, and he supported them. I have to tell you that he was very good, and he did uh, uh, 
the financial supporting of them and made sure that they had the best of care, and I really credit him for that. Uh, he's a very private person, and I just haven't seen him very often, but he's very busy, isn't, and now he's got a family, and I think that's wonderful. Isn't it amazing, George, that, that, that he he waits and dreams about movie roles, about characters like the, that have the life that you lived. You're a bomber pilot and, and, and you know doing these amazing things at the age 70. George, you're, you're amazing. Well, I thank you very much. You're most gracious. Uh, George, we thank you for your time today. Congratulations on everything that you've accomplished. And uh, uh, stay in touch with us. We'd love to follow you if you ever do any more exciting uh, swims like the one over the English Channel. Thank you very much, and keep up the good work. It's either Mark or Bill I'm talking to, I guess. It's, uh, it's both yeah, of us. both so. right here. George. Okay, well, God bless. What an amazing guy, isn't he? Hey, coming up, Mark, we got something just as great. Anti-aging, pro-aging, doesn't matter what you call it. It's one of the hottest segments in the cosmetic market. But what happens when it, too much becomes out of control when it comes to fighting wrinkles? We'll figure that out coming up next. And The Growing Boulder Radio Show. You got a problem? Well, do you, punk? On a cloud.